Just give me one second. Thank sure. You. Sorry. Uh huh. Hey. Hi. Two minutes. Thank you. Hi. Good afternoon. Sorry about hey, that. Oi. Hi, nice Hi. to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Have you ever done one of these interviews over the camera before? No. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the job to get started with. It's not just um, a job. It's sort of probably the most important job. Uh, the title that we have going right now is Director of Operations, but it's really kind of so much more than that. Responsibilities and requirements are, are really quite extensive. Uh, first category for the requirements would be mobility. This job requires that you must be able to work standing up most or really all of the time, uh, constantly on your feet, constantly bending over, constantly exerting yourself, a high level of stamina. Uh, uh, okay. That's a lot. For how many, like, for how many hours? Uh, 135 hours to unlimited hours a week. It's basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm sure you'll have a chance from time to time to maybe just sit down here and there, yeah? Uh, you mean like a break? Yeah. Uh, no, there are no breaks available. Is, is that even legal? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, yeah. so like no lunch? You can or... have lunch, but only when the associate is done eating their lunch. Uh, I think that's a little intense. No. no not possible. That's crazy. Now, this position requires excellent negotiation and interpersonal skills. We're really looking for someone that might have a degree in uh, medicine, in finance, and the culinary arts. You must be able to wear several hats. Associate needs constant attention. Sometimes they have to stay up with an associate throughout the night. Being able to work in a chaotic environment, if you, if you had a life, we'd ask you to sort of give that life up. No vacations. In fact, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and holidays, the workload is going to go up, and we demand that with, with a happy disposition. Uh, that's almost cruel. <laughs> that's almost uh, a very, very sick, twisted joke. But when there's time to sleep or... Oh, no time to sleep. Yeah, all-encompassing, all almost. That's exactly right. 365 days a year? Yes. No, that's, that's inhumane. That's, that's very insane. The meaningful connections that you make and the, the feeling that you get from really helping your associate are immeasurable. Also, let's cover the salary. The position is going to pay absolutely nothing. Excuse me? No. Nobody's doing that for free. Yeah, pro bono. <laughs> Completely for free. No. What if I told you there's someone that actually currently uh, holds this position right now? Billions of people, actually. Who? Moms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moms. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and they meet every requirement, oh, don't wow. they? Oh my god. Moms are the best. Yeah, there's no pain. They're 24 hours. They're always there. Now I'm thinking about my mom. Yeah, and what are you thinking about her? I'm thinking about all those nights and everything. Thank you so much for everything you do. I know it doesn't seem like I appreciate all of it, but I definitely do. So, Mom, I want to say thank you for everything that you've done. I love you very much. You've been there through thick and thin. My mom is just awesome. She's awesome. Don't you love that, huh?
I've seen a lot of videos about a lot of topics over the years. That is one of the most powerful videos I've ever seen. So effectively done to help us to get around what a mom does. She works harder than anybody in this world, and we're here to honor moms today. I know that Mother's Day maybe can be a difficult time for a lot of ladies. Uh, possibly you're struggling in your relationship with your mom, working through different issues, or uh, maybe uh, your mom is sick, or maybe uh, she wants to be with the Lord. Oh, that's hard. And when Mom's Day come up, it just reminds you of how much you miss her or what your relationship with her is like. Or it could be uh, that you want to be a mom, but you haven't found a spouse or you can't seem to have a baby. And oh, that miscarriages, the pain that the women go through as they seek uh, to have a child. Um, I just want to say, if you're struggling today, God's grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is sufficient for you. I would encourage you to take some time this afternoon and just unload on God. That's what he loves us the best. When we just come and load on him and say what's going on and how frustrated and he's there to listen. And he knows better than anyone what you've been through. We're going to look at a biblical illustration of a, a godly mother, and her name is Jochebed, and she was the mother of Moses. In Exodus 2.1, before we get into that, let me give you a little bit of history here. Of course, we know that the Jews were slaves in Egypt, and the problem was is that they're multiplying like rabbits, you know, <laughs> and Pharaoh's getting scared that they're going to be overwhelming them. So he says to the Hebrew midwives, he says, now listen, uh, when a boy child is born, I want you to kill him right away. But if a girl child is born, you can let her live. Now the Hebrew midwives weren't going to do that. And so when Pharaoh said, why aren't you following my rules? And, oh, the boys, they just come out too quickly. You know, it's just like a blur. Uh, we never get there on time. So Pharaoh said, okay, I give anyone permission to take a Hebrew baby boy and throw him in the Nile River. Everybody had that freedom. Can you imagine that? How crazy that is? That's what Moses was born into. Now, a man from the house of Levi, Moses' dad, we're not sure what his name is, and took him as a wife of light. <laughs> Let's take it one more time. Now, a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman, and that was Jochebed. That was Moses' mother. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. Can you imagine that? Hiding a newborn for three months? I mean, just the birthing process. I know a lot about the birthing process. In fact, I have seen 15 live births in the last two months. Now, I'm not hanging over at Centegra for that. I'm watching Call of the Midwife. Anybody a fan of Call of the Midwife out there? Oh, yeah, yeah. My 
wife is forcing me to watch it. And, uh, but, but the cool thing is, you know, you're sitting next to a woman, and you're watching this movie or show, and they have a birth. Oh, that's not a newborn. That doesn't, that doesn't look anything like a newborn. Couldn't they have done a better job? Well, they have done a better job on Call of the Midwife. They have actually filmed women who want their babies to be on the show having birth. So they film them from the side, and then they edit it in. So every birth you see is actually a newborn. I'm sure you ladies will be very excited to watch this. I just have to warn you, there's a lot of screaming going on. You know, every show you can be guaranteed, there's a lot of screaming going on. Uh, here's the DVD package. And, oh, uh, you know, there's so many beautiful stories there. Not. Uh, <laughs> this is a birthing stool that might have been used back. In Moses' time, well, that looks quite comfortable, wouldn't you say? No, I don't think so. There's a beautiful definition of what a mom is when Paul writes in 1 Corinthians about love. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's a mom. I can't think of anyone else, any group of people that really, really lived that out with other people, and that's their kids. I mean, moms are incredible. I think of my own mother, obviously. She passed about 15 years ago, and I miss her so much. And just, oh, the investment that she made in my life. I think of my wife, Lori, and our three boys, and uh, I, I tell you, as I watched my wife, I was just amazed, amazed at what she did, how she served. I mean, she just gave everything, and I think that God designed moms that way, because guys typically aren't like that, <laughs> right? It's a beautiful thing to see, because it's all-encompassing, as you know, when you have a child, there are so many different needs that this child has. You have to teach the child not to get into dangerous situations. That's why you have to lock down the whole house. It has to be baby-proof. And they will tell you if you have any problems in terms of locking the house down. And you've got to teach them basic things like don't touch the fire, don't touch the stove. Uh, don't go out in the street. They really don't understand that one. <laughs> You're not going. <laughs> you really lay down the law because you know the danger that's there, and they don't. Now, if you ever, you know, kind of get in a prideful mood and think, I'm all that, and, well, I tell you, nobody's as good as me, just remember this. You did not know how to use a toilet at one point in your life. That's right. You're just going to let it go whenever, let it rip. I don't care, you know, anytime, anywhere. And your mother had to show you, no, that's not the way we do it. This is a toilet. And she plays all these kind of games with you. And so you just remember, or if your spouse is haughty, just say, hey, your mother trained you to use a toilet. Right? Hey, we're helpless. We have to remember that our mom helped us in all these different areas, and then you have emotional 
challenges. Uh, I mean, the kids just need so much from you. Uh, their lives are centered on you there in that early, in those early days. And uh, yeah, I mean, kids have a lot of emotions, don't they? Got the terrible twos, and uh, it gets to be more complex as you move along. And kids are struggling today in our culture because our culture is far from God. And moms, you have to to really do everything you can to point them in the right direction. Uh, there's all types of other burdens. I mean, you have kids with special needs. And I've watched women who've had kids with special needs, multiple kids with special needs, and again, I've just been blown away. I mean, when I look at them, I see how much Jesus Christ loves me. What Jesus Christ is willing to do for me. And it's amazing. It really is. And the thing about motherhood, we talk about relationships and obviously the joy and pain that come from a relationship is in relationship to how close you are to that person. So when we think about it, mothers, I believe, experience a joy that's so much greater than men can experience in any area of their lives. I really believe that. There's this unbelievable, mysterious bond that they have with their kids. Well, what that means, on the flip side, they experience pain so much more than men do. As I talk to mothers and I mean, just the pain that they have because they're just so engaged and involved in their children's lives. And, of course, you never start stop parenting, right? I mean, you just stay with your kids, loving, continue to help them. It's good to have Wes and uh, Tommy and Brenna, Wes's wife here. And uh, it's just, it's fun, too. But, but that pain, and I just want to speak... Uh, Two mothers who are struggling today, and uh, you're thinking, nobody knows how I feel. In fact, I think I am the most depressed mother in this room. You're probably wrong. You really are. When we go through hard times, and say, oh, nobody's experiencing this. No, no. Pain is an experience that we all have in life, but for those of you who are just depressed and you just keep giving and giving and giving and nobody's giving anything back and you feel so overwhelmed and say, why am I in this situation, right? Again, go to God today. Tell him that. Find a friend. Mothers can tell I mean, they relate to each other. They know the joy and the pain. And we're just so thankful for mothers uh, just bearing that burden of loving their children throughout their lives. Well, we continue with our story. When she could hide him no longer, she took him for a basket. Uh, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with, dabbed it, that is, with bitmen and pitch. So it's like tar and pitch. Uh, she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. So 
the child was old enough where we can't keep this guy a secret anymore. So uh, God gives her a plan. And first of all, she makes this basket. In fact, the terminology is the same idea that was used to construct uh, Noah's Ark. When you think about it, when she put that basket in the water and when Noah floated during that huge rainstorm and flood, uh, they were both in danger, right? Yeah, our kids are many times in danger. And she decided, okay, I'm going to trust in God for this. I'm going to trust my children to God. And I'm going to put them in this basket, and I'll put them in the reed so he doesn't float downstream. I'll put them in a strategic spot. But knowing that once I put him in the water, he could easily be eaten by a crocodile. Very common. She really let go, right? She let go. And it's interesting how God put it all together for her. She put the child in it, and then it goes on to say, and his sister, that's Miriam, stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. So she had Miriam right in the place. She couldn't be there, right, or they'd figure it out. Uh, So Miriam was just watching what's going on. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to the to bathe at the river, while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, "This is one of the Hebrews' children." Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter. Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go! So the girl went out and called the child's mother. When the child grew, excuse me, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. It's all God, right? (laughs) This kid was supposed to be drowned in the Nile. Instead, he's adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. He lives the best life one could live back in that day. And on top of it, Jacobin was compensated for nursing her own child. Has any woman ever experienced that before? Receiving financial compensation for nursing your child. I don't think so, but that's what happens when God gets involved. That's what happens when you let go. And I just want to encourage moms. uh, Yeah, you want to control things for your child because you want to protect them. But there's no way you can do that because, again, life, you just can't control it. And so what you need to do is let go. Let go, not be a helicopter parent that's not healthy, you know, to hover over a child and meet their every need. That's not good for uh, development, but to let go. And some of you are, are holding on so hard to your child right now because you feel if, if you just don't get all over them and uh, <laughs> control them, that bad things are going to happen. Well, you got to let go. That's the healthiest thing to do. I don't want to do that yet. I know it's painful, yeah, it's uncertainty, but you have to do it. 
Are you there today where you're trying to hold on to some issue where you're trying to manipulate your child and in some way because you're trying to control them? Don't do that. Give it over to God. Let him work on your child. Let him transform that teenager or that adult child. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Now, this is the best part, all right? So Moses should have been killed. Instead, he ended up in Pharaoh's home, and he was educated in the most thorough way than any person in the world could be educated at that time. Math and history and uh, just all the different things that they would teach those kids because they were teaching them to be leaders. Moses had the best leadership experience (laughs) and course that you could ever have. Little did they know that they were training Moses to lead the Jews out of Egypt, all that slave labor, because that's how God works. We don't see it until we see it happen. That's where the faith comes in. That's where we have to express faith. In Hebrews 11, there's a chapter called the Hall of Faith, like the Hall of Fame. And they just lift list different people who expressed and had tremendous faith. And, and Jochebed is noted there, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Wow. Jochebed. She expresses amazing faith that God was in this. And that's why my desire, ladies, uh, is that you would go deeper in your relationship with God. I know it doesn't make sense, but the more you get to know God, the more faith you can have, the more you believe in him, the more you understand him, the more you realize, you know, he does things in crazy ways sometimes. But don't worry, he's in control of it. This is a refrigerator verse. Anybody have this verse on their refrigerator? Philippians 4, 6. Does anybody have it where you can see it, like in a frame or something? Thank you, Wesley, the second. I appreciate that. Oh, okay, we got Chris back there. Hey, this is what you do for Mother's Day. You get this verse and the next verse we're going to talk about. And you frame it up, and you put it in the most, wherever she wants it, really, okay? And then remind her to to view it, because this is it. We've talked about this many times for our last series. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And if you are raising kids, you got all kinds of needs, you got all kinds of concerns, you have all kinds of anxiety, and you need to grow your prayer life. Just come to God and say, oh, Lord, I don't know how to solve this problem. This is a new one. I've been doing this for 15 years, but, (laughs) right? You come to God and you present it to him. Don't be anxious about anything. Give your request to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's where you, you need to live, moms. Psalm 91.4 illustrates this so beautifully. God will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. Ladies and husbands, encourage your wife to find refuge in God. It doesn't make sense. It's like, I don't have time to find refuge in God. I've got to keep on top of these kids. Well, somehow, someway, make time to read these passages on, on the web. Just put Bible verses about uh, Christian mothers in your search engine or Christian mothering. There are so many wonderful resources because sometimes you feel all alone. And the problem is you're comparing yourself to all these other moms and all the things you see on TV. And so you get this fantasy of what a mom should be, and you are far from that. And so you're going to get down on yourself and say, oh, why can't I do that? And I'm, I'm just messing up all over the place. Well, no, you're not. You're not following God's plan for you. There's a reason that God gave that child a mother like you. You're the right one. You might not have certain abilities or not. Who cares? You trust God and you throw yourself into it. And, and men and, and kids, encourage your moms not to feel guilty. All right? Love them. Be patient with them because they need that. Deuteronomy 6, 7, of course, is a well-known verse about teaching your child about God. You shall teach the, the children diligently uh, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So what's the idea? You're always looking for teachable moments. When you're just in the house, around the dinner table, when you walk by the way or drive the car, when you lie, always be talking about how God fits into life. And you might be saying, Dan, I, I'm just not a strong Christian. And I wouldn't even know what to say. <laughs> Go to the web. Go to a... Uh, website focus on the family has a lot of great stuff and learn things okay you don't have to be that far beyond your children <laughs> to disciple them right and i was reading uh, this week that the state of delaware is considering a law that five-year-olds can consider or choose their own race and gender apart from the parents than a five-year-old. I don't even know what to say to that. I don't know how to respond. It's like, is this really news? I mean, did this happen? That people would say, oh, you can choose your gender. What's happening to this world? What's happening to this world is we've turned our back on God and we're just doing it. And, hey, evolution. Again, if God did not create the world, <laughs> you know, 
What's the point anyway? Where do we get morals? We don't have any standards for them because we're just accidents in the first place. So let's draw out the rules of life for ourselves. And that's what we see happening. And so I was talking to the Iwana parents this past Wednesday. We had our uh, closing program. So exciting to see these kids uh, coming up here and memory verses and uh, celebrating them. But I, I said to the parents, listen, my wife Lori and I, uh, have raised three boys are in their 20s and what you're doing today is three times as hard as what we did because society is not following God it's just so much more important that you do this because before the society to whatever level you know supported marriage and other things and and those of you who are older, pray for parents. It's going to be very complicated. But friends, it's, it's not impossible because God can guide you and help your children. One of the most important things is for you to have a personal relationship with God, ladies. That's not about religion or going to church. It's the idea... Now we see in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, God loves you so much, that he gave his only son. Why do you have to give his son? Well, because we're sinners. We can't have a relationship with God. There's penalty, a penalty for our sin. We'll experience if we don't turn to God. But Jesus came down and bore our sin. He took our place. And then he rose again. And all we need to do is to come before God and say, God, there is no way I can work my way to heaven. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not, and this is not your own doing. There's a gift of God, not a result of works that no one can boast. So many people grow up in traditions where, hey, you've got to earn your relationship with God uh, again, it feeds into our pride, right? You've got to be good enough, that type of thing. But that is a lie. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches you need to come to God and say, I am a sinner. There's nothing I can do about it. There's no way I can please you. But I know your son paid the price for my sin. And, and I want to repent of my sin, turn away from my sin. And I want to accept you and believe you and have a relationship with you. Have you done that? If that sounds new to you, or maybe God's been kind of prodding you along, maybe today's the day to come to God and say, God, I need you. I need you to transform me. I need you to give me the gift of life. I encourage you to do that. Because it will make mothering so much more easier because God will be with there to empower you and help you. Isn't that wonderful? Challenge. I want all of us uh, to encourage our mothers, therefore encourage one another and build one another, just as you are doing. So this is my challenge to you, okay? I want you to go to your mother and say, how may I help you? Oh, that is a loaded question. I mean, you're just kind of opening yourself up. I, I don't know what. She's going to make you clean the bathrooms for the next five years. But they won't do that. They know you're weak. Of course. 
They don't want to crush this newfound desire. So they'll give you something easy to do. Now, when was the last time you said to your mother or your wife, uh, hey, how can, how may I help you? In fact, say it to the person next to you right now. Say it to each other. Okay, now let's all say it together. Ready? How may I help you? How may I help you? Okay, if you have your mother here, say it to her. And say, please tell me later. And don't be lying. I know some of you are going to lie. You have no intention of helping her out, but you're going to do this because you're kind of an embarrassing spot. No, no, no. Don't say anything to her unless you really mean it. Go ahead. That's what mom, I talked to a mom after the first service, and she said, that's the question I always ask. I said, I know, and we need to start asking you because we're a bunch of self-absorbed whatevers, you know? Yeah. Make your mom's day. We're going to see a video right now of Christine Hennages. It's just a very encouraging story of how God worked in her life, really a miraculous way. Uh, she was in the first service, couldn't be in the second service, so we videotaped it, so watch this video and be encouraged. Good morning, everyone. My name is Christine, and I would like to share with you my story on how I have grew a relationship with God and the miracles he has given me. Um, I'll be honest, I had not attended church regularly since high school, which actually happened to be Springbrook way back when it was held at Jacob's. After high school, I went to church for Easter, Christmas, and the occasional service with my mother. I have a six-year-old daughter whom I considered my miracle baby since it took two years, which at the time seemed like a long time. I also suffered two losses before having her. As my daughter turned one, my husband and I decided to start trying for our second child. We tried for four years of countless doctor visits, shots, heartache, losses, and tears, and we decided to give up. I finally came to terms with it and considered myself lucky to even have my daughter. Then one night, as I was walking by my daughter's bedroom, I heard her praying, Dear God, please give me a baby sibling. I was shocked. I asked her, Who taught you how to pray? And she replied, Her grandmother. And she told me that if I wanted something, I just had to pray and believe in God. I had tears in my eyes. She was absolutely right. I just had to believe. I started gaining my faith back, decided to start attending church. We had recently moved back to the area, so what better place to go back to church that I attended in high school? My daughter and I prayed every night for a month. I started feeling ill and decided to take a test, and sure enough, it came up positive. Yep, all six tests that I took came up positive. I went in for an ultrasound, and my heart sank. I knew that face of the doctor had all too well. There it was on the screen, empty sack and no heartbeat, no baby. I was devastated at the time, but I thought, what if the timing is wrong? What if it was just too early to see anything? I was to come back in a week to see if anything changed, and there it was, the most beautiful sound, a heartbeat and a baby on the screen. We were so happy, but something was wrong with me. My blood pressure reached a sky-limiting 223 over 120. I was admitted into the hospital for a week, I was easily the youngest on the cardiac floor by 30 years. It was, it was then I was given a maternal fetal specialist, a cardiologist, a nephrologist, an endocrinologist, besides having my primary care and regular OB. I had a long road ahead of me since I was only seven weeks. 
All the doctors made it sound like my best option was to terminate the pregnancy. I knew in my heart I had to believe in God and raise him up. I knew he would help me overcome, overcome all this. I knew my faith, health, strength um, would all be tested. Oddly enough, I was not scared or nervous. I was ready to conquer whatever was lying ahead of me with God by my side. I was put on three types of heart medication, all at the maximum dosages. I had developed gestational diabetes and had to give myself four shots a day. I had numerous appointments weekly for the next 27 weeks. My blood pressures kept skyrocketing, but I was able to control it. My baby was doing great, growing right on track. However, the next appointment showed that he had not grown in the last two weeks. We decided to have the C-section the following day at 34 weeks, so we came six weeks early. Baby boy was born a healthy boy that we named Connor. I, on the other hand, had lost a lot of blood, and they put me on medication to see if that would help before starting the process of a blood transfusion. The meds helped. I, of course, was praying and believed that he was right beside me, giving me the strength I needed to get through it all. My son, besides being small, four pounds, four ounces, was doing great and had a short nine-day stay in the NICU. He never needed oxygen oxygen or a feeding tube and amazed everyone with how well he was doing. I was doing great as well. I started walking around the following day, and the nurses even joked about me lapping the other women who had regular deliveries. I was on zero pain meds, and every doctor and nurse seemed astonished and told me that only a handful of people can go without any pain meds. I believed and prayed so hard every day since hearing my daughter pray that night. I started reading the Bible and taking scriptures and incorporating them into my everyday life. I started changing my life to be that of a Christ follower. And guess what? He never failed me. When I was pregnant, I took 18 pills a day just for blood pressure, four shots daily, and three other daily pills along with eye drops to help my vision. Not even days after after giving birth, my blood pressure started reading 118 over 70, a number I've never ever had. Doctors were in disbelief with my health and ran multiple tests, and nothing was ever found. The doctors called me their miracle patient. I went from 18 pills a day to two pills a day. I went from having a four-pound baby boy to having a chunky three-month-old today. I tell my doctors that it's all because of prayer and constant faith. You serve him and live the life he wants. He will always protect and provide for us. Miracles are always happening. Everyone has a different process, but how... But know that God is always behind the scenes and has a plan for all of us. I am beyond blessed for the strength, encouragement, faithfulness, and miraculous power he has given me on my journey to being a mom. Wow, huh? Yeah. That's what God specializes in. He specializes in miracles. And you say, well, I could never have a physical miracle like that. Well, you could, or maybe it's a spiritual miracle in the heart of your child. Maybe it's an emotional miracle for your child who's struggling so much. Maybe it's a miracle that you don't even know you need to have. Trust God for miracles. And when you have that miracle, tell the world. Tell the world how great our God is. Let's have our ushers come forward at this time and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, ah, I just love to hear those stories. And that's why you give us those stories. You put us through a test so we have a testimony. And I pray for moms here who are struggling for whatever reason or anybody. 
who's struggling. And I pray that they would trust you for a miracle in their life. In Christ's name, amen.